Welcome to the Retail Exchange Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Amperity. Amperity turns complex customer data into business success. Getting value from customer data all goes back to data quality. You can orchestrate segments to all the activation channels, generate customer insights and intelligence, personalize campaigns to build loyalty. Amperity lets you do all that. But before you can do anything with customer data, you need to get it into usable shape. Accurate, accessible and fast. That's what Amperity does better than anyone else. Amperity, building the customer data foundation to power your retail business. Visit amperity.com to learn more. Welcome to the Retail Exchange podcast. I'm Carl McKeever, and on this episode of In Focus, we're talking consumer data platforms. My guests are Rob Harvath, VP of Customer Insights and Data Management for Citizen Watch, and Dan Milgram, Chief Customer Officer at Amperity. Really, the, the priority is improved customer knowledge, and I'm talking about the individual customer at this point. That's what a CDP can provide because uh, garbage in, garbage out. If your data is clean, there's so much that you can learn from it, so much that there's so much value that you can not only gain from what the data is telling you, but also what models can do to predict what customers will do in the future. And the ability to take advantage of that and leverage it can really help your bottom line. I think all those different stakeholders in customer data, what I hope for them is that they're building the foundation for the future. The time for waste is gone. The different silos of customer data, the different systems that don't talk to each other and aren't stitched together. What I hope is that all the stakeholders in customer data can come together in a room and talk about the inherent waste in that. To Citizen Watch, time is everything. But increasingly, so is data. Steeped in watchmaking history, Citizen Watch dates all the way back to the 19th century. Although many of its products are timeless, it has guarded against being stuck in a time warp. Smartwatches now sit comfortably alongside traditional timepieces within its range. Like other brands, Citizen now has one eye firmly on DTC opportunities beyond its traditional wholesale model. That demands an ability to manage and make sense of data effectively if it is to elevate and deliver personalised customer experiences. Companies like Amperity are under pressure to deliver platforms that help retail brands to overcome the problem of inherently messy customer data. But they're not running scared. For all sides involved, getting it right matters. In this episode, we'll explore how Citizen Watch is using customer data platforms to connect the dots for improved customer engagement, why establishing a singular source of truth for customer data matters, discuss the importance of adopting a question-everything approach, and how to create a data-driven culture to keep things ticking. Here's the episode. So, gentlemen, welcome. It's good to have you here. Thank you. So great to be here. So let's start off by getting a, an overview, if you could please, Rob, in terms of an overview of the Citizen Watch business. Is it simply timepieces? Well, it's mostly timepieces. So our focus for Citizen is uh, watches, although we do also make other products like clocks. 
but really we focus on watches. The brand has come a long way. We acquired Bulova uh, back in 2008, and part of Citizen Watch America is not only Citizen, but Bulova, and we have a couple of Swiss brands known as Alpina and Frédéric Constant. We also have Accutron and Caravel on our Bulova side. So we've got a number of different watches. We're in traditional watches, we're in smart watches. It's a very diverse portfolio, and we're really excited to bring the Citizen name to not only the US, but around the world. And we're talking kind of, I guess, the, the, the luxury sort of end of the, end of the market here, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the watch category is fascinating because it's such a wide variety of product. There are many watches that sell for under $20 in the U.S., but there are also a number of watches that sell for over $10,000. There's a really wide range. So there's really no brand that competes in the entire market. For Citizen, we focus most of our watches are in the $200 to $800 range, and we're the number one brand in the U.S. in that segment. So it's still pretty accessible. Oh yeah, we're, ex we're all about accessible luxury uh, for the citizens of the world. That's the heritage of the, of the name of the brand Citizen, and that's really our focus. And Dan, same question I guess to you really. Uh, an overview on Parity. What, what, what does the business do? What specialisms do you have? So Parity is the world's leading customer data platform. We take messy customer data from around the business, all the interaction, uh, sales, browse data, put, and stitch it together into a data platform to make it accessible to people like my friend Rob here. I should imagine that's quite a, a task really, especially in large established businesses where perhaps you have, you know, kind of the impacts of legacy systems and different types of hardware, software that doesn't quite talk to each other in, in the smooth and frictionless way that you'd like it to do. Yeah, customer data is inherently messy. People move, people change email addresses, people change their name. And so we've, we've put together a patented machine learning system to stitch that data together that, that solves for the inherent messiness of human data. So we're going to talk much more about that as we get into the conversation. But first of all, I, again, I'd like to ask the question to, to you, Rob. Look, everybody is talking data right now. And, you know, data is seen as the kind of the, the, the seam to mine in terms of getting closer to your customer, understanding more about them and their shopping wants and needs and preferences. How important is customer data to citizen? Well, it's definitely growing in importance because of the fact that we now have the means through our partnership with Imperity to understand in more ways than we've ever had before what the customer is buying. Uh, the history of Citizen really up until only about 10 years ago was to sell product through wholesalers. Uh, and we didn't really have a robust data collection on end consumers. That wasn't really the focus. That's changed a lot in the last 10 years uh, with the way the retail has changed. And the fact that we now have so much data on customers and as Dan and I were talking uh, a few minutes ago, the way consumers come to Citizen is varied. You can buy a watch through one of our uh, wholesaler partners of which we have uh, thousands in the US, thousands of different independent jewelers that you can go and buy a Citizen watch. You can go and buy a Citizen watch at a department store. You can buy now a watch at a Citizen retail store. You can buy a Citizen watch online, either through a retailer partner 
or from our own direct. So lots of channels and places where you can buy, but as you say, historically, not a lot of data to support perhaps what the customer is looking for or why they were choosing you. No, and and that's the point of you know working with a company like Imperity is to put all that data together so that we can make an understanding as to what the customer is is doing. For example, you know we have hundreds of different models of watches, but until we were really digging into the data, we didn't know who the customer was for each watch. Right, so you're now able to use that data to potentially help to inform some of your segmentation understanding in terms of which particular styles or models are more or less appealing to different types of consumer. Exactly right, and that's exactly what this is enabling. So, Dan, you know, look, with everybody chasing data right now, one of the biggest things that I hear is, is look, you know, data in itself is great, but actually it's really about the meaning that you derive from it that really is the real gold. Yeah, you know, I, I think once you pull all this data together, your ability, depending on your role within a business, you have different needs to, to, to utilize it. So. Uh, Rob and I were talking earlier about the partnership, the strong partnership that he has with his analytics team. Uh, so step one may be to investigate the data from an analytics perspective to try and find trends and see what's happening. In addition, we put together proprietary models that allow us to observe trends and build predictive models to determine what might happen into the future. Okay, so you can actually take the, the kind of the, the, the discipline or the, the science of data here and not just use this to kind of almost historically reference back, but actually you can future plan this into your marketing activities so that actually if you're building and driving towards a particular launch, you can model it in a, such a way that could help to support future sales patterns, growth, where you want to target distribution, those kinds of things. It's exactly what we're doing with the data right now. So uh, these predictive models that Dan talks about, are we're using them. Uh, we initially tested them to make sure that this was going to be something that you know, was going to provide value for us. And when we did some of the initial tests, we saw uh, click-through rates that were five, six times higher than without using this predictive model. And we said, wow, that's an amazing accomplishment Let's do it again, just to make sure that, you know, this is really... It's not a one-time wonder. It's not a one-time wonder. And we've done it, uh, we, we tested it a second time, we tested it a third time, and by the time we tested it the third time, when we saw similar, really remarkable returns in the click-through rates, we said this is something that we've got to, you know, we've got to get the flywheel spinning because this is working. Yeah, I think depending on the on the user uh, within, the, within the brand, we, uh, we see, both analytics users who are writing their own complex queries to drive their own conclusions about what's happening today and what might happen into the future. And we, we, we try to predict things like customer churn, we try to predict how one-time buyers convert in, into loyal shoppers, uh, segment customers into sort of, you know, the, the wide range of customer that Citizen Watch serves from the discount watch shopper to the luxury watch shopper. So identifying which tier customers uh, fall into and then mapping their journey uh, through through their interaction with the brand as they grow and they and they people change. Uh, is critical to, to really utilizing the data once you put it in place. And, and in something like Citizen, who's responsible for disseminating this data to all these different groups? Because I can imagine you have, you know, you're now really excited and you think, wow, we've got this pool of 
priceless information here, mm -hmm. but actually we, it's of no use to us unless we can get it into the right hands. It's such a good point, Carl, because right now I am really the, the key user, but I'm not the only beneficiary of the, of the data. And so uh, what we've done at Citizen is we've uh, been able to take the data and bring it into a visualization tool. We use Microsoft Power BI. And through those dashboards that are powered by the daily updates of data we're getting from our CDP, we're able to put dashboards out to all of our executives. And it's filtered for the things that they want to look at. Not every executive wants to look at the same thing. Yeah, and, and, and the very fact that you're making this a visual tool, I should imagine is so helpful to people because not everybody has the time to you know, dig into all of those kind of the, the complex backstory for each of those bits of information. What they really want is the takeouts. What, you know, what's happening? What does it inform me? And therefore, what might I want to do with this? Exactly, and that's what these dashboards enable. Uh, and we, you know, the dashboards without the data aren't really valuable. You really need to bring it all together. So uh, between the, the data that uh, Amparity is helping us to synthesize, to the visualization tool that we have in the dashboard, enables the executives to just get what they need without having a, a real deep dive and it really helps them, it helps our whole organization set up for greater success because they're spending less time digging into the data and more time making decisions based on what the data is telling them. And how, what has people's reaction been since you've started providing with them this information? I can imagine your inbox is constantly you know, pinging with the latest bright idea or somebody has another follow-up question or whatever. Because if you've never had this source of knowledge before, suddenly, you know, wow, this is a whole new layer. There's so much excitement behind the data because now people are able to ask questions that they've never been able to get answers before. Uh, and I'm going to share one story that, uh, that we worked with our analytics partner at Imperity to, to help answer. And I think this is a question that a lot of brands may have, and that is working with Amazon and their Prime Day promotion. What's the value of a customer that comes to us from a Prime Day offer? You know, those Prime Day offers are really special. And they're meant to be special, they're meant to get a spike, they're meant to drive a lot of volume. But do those consumers come back over time at the same rates that non-Prime Day customers do? So we worked with Imperity and our analytics partners there to answer that question. It seems like a simple question, but it's very complex from a data standpoint. It's not only what is the value of the customer, meaning how much have they spent since they became a, a customer, it has so much ramifications on how we work with Amazon because if we're able to tell through this type of analysis that the Amazon customer who comes to us on Prime Day is a more valuable customer long term than others who don't, well, that changes the game for how you work and uh, and prioritize the Amazon promotion. Uh, so, or it could be that you learn that those people are only interested in shopping with you at that time, and in future you can target very careful offers specific to that particular event. This is what the tool enables. So from an Amparity perspective, how do you get that kind of stickiness that's going to give you the, the answers that you're both looking for? Well, one of the things that makes us really special is our ability to ingest raw data, raw messy data directly from its source. So the first step is to identify all the different places where customer data exists. So that might, that, that might be direct to consumer point of sale information, might be e-com information, it might be wholesale information. Then we, there's, there are other sources of what we would call interaction data, web clicks, email clicks, 
product review information. Pull all of that information together, that's step one. We stitch it together and make it accessible in a database. The next step is to identify who the stakeholders are in that data within the brand. This is where some brands get really challenged because traditionally, this data was very siloed based on the particular use case. You had one stakeholder, one executive responsible for the PL or the analytics view. You had, one, you had one person, a CMO or marketing user, responsible for new customer acquisition. I can imagine this makes it a very healthy debate about who should be the budget holder here. Because if everybody wants a piece of the pie, surely everybody should put, you know, chipping in. Yeah, and that's something that we've experienced at Citizen because the, the value crosses so many different departments. It's really a corporate benefit um, because it helps us in marketing, it helps us in merchandising, it helps us in sales, it helps us in retail. It really crosses all of the major portions of the company and that's why uh, it's been such a, a great uh, opportunity to work with a CDP from the ground up. I was at Citizen before we had a CDP. I was doing these analyses before we had this technology and it was slow, it was inefficient, and it wasn't nearly as accurate as it is now. Think about just if you're taking one piece of the data, let's just take our DTC data for example, and someone asked me, um, how many unique customers do we have? Well, I now need to do identity resolution by myself. I need to go through our customer list and say, do these names look familiar? Do they look the same? Is the address the same? Is the first name the same? And it's incredibly difficult to do it. You yeah. can do it, it's probably not going to be nearly as accurate. That's why Imperity has these patents and, and processes that make it simple and really reduce the time. And the frustrating to part about answering that one particular question for someone is it always leads to at least three more questions of which you have to go back and repeat the process. Exactly, that's what we did with the Prime Day analysis. It started with, you know, is, it, is the customer just more valuable or not? And then it became, okay, benchmark to, uh, to what? Because if you just have one number, what in it needs to be in relation to something else. So uh, th that one Prime Day analysis resulted in, I think, 32 different queries of, of our database uh, at the end of the day that helps us really understand the value of the Prime Day customer. So you can now get more things done in other areas. <laughs> exactly, but, but that's the exciting thing about working uh, with a CDP is that it enables so much information. You know, another story that I wanted to share was one of our larger retail customers is Signet Jewelers. They're K, Jared, and Zales. And uh, one of the things I do is I, I read their earnings call transcripts. And I happen to bring uh, one of those with me because what I've been doing is I've been highlighting when their executives are referring to metrics that refer to a CDP. And if you go through their, uh, their recent transcripts, you can see my, 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 the document I'm holding right now is just littered with all of these references to CDP metrics. And these, this is a leading retailer in the industry that's talking about how important their first party data investments are, how important their CDP is to what they're trying to do. And we're trying to do the same thing at Citizen. We're, we're starting to talk the same language at the same time. And if we see like a Signet saying, you know, we're trying to uh, develop, uh, you know, our, our average transaction size. Uh, we're trying to develop our repeat rate. These are things that you can do without a CDP, but it's a lot easier with a CDP. And 
you know, we all know what gets measured gets managed. Yeah, and it will give you uh, more agility. You know, you have a speed and a responsiveness to be able to react to the market and as things are changing. Yes, and, and we're doing that. Uh, uh, you know, one of the things that, you know, back a few months ago, we launched in a whole new collection uh, of watches. And now, just a couple of months later, we're able to see are the customers for that collection, are they what we thought they were? Are we hitting the mark? Are we not hitting the mark? If we are, let's keep doing what we're doing. If not, okay, what's not working? Maybe we need to do something different. These things are informing us, and these are just, this is one collection, but these are the things that are enabling our success because we're able to read this information in near real time now. No matter how you structure your customer data stack, you'll need a foundation of accurate customer profiles to feed into the pipeline so you can generate insights and personalize campaigns. The thing is, assembling and maintaining those profiles is complicated. You need to pull in fragments of data from disparate sources and in different formats, match them together, keep them from breaking when new data comes in, and do it all at massive scale and speed while staying on the right side of privacy regulations. Unless your team has that specific expertise, it can be an uphill slog. Luckily, tackling these challenges is exactly what Amperity does best. So your teams can focus on creating standout customer experiences. Amperity will work with you to build the customer data foundation that fuels your whole stack, saving you months of frustration and unlocking tremendous value. Discover how to put the power of Amperity to work today. Visit Amperity.com. Dan, a lot of people will, you know, I'm sure be, you know, data skeptics, etc. And, you know, some people will say, yeah, 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 you know, it's a big job, you know, it's expensive. You know, what do we really get from it? What would be your, your kind of response in that sort of scenario? Maybe someone who hasn't used these tools, someone who's considering it, but, you know, they're, they're not fully putting a whole toe in. It's just... Yeah, I'd start by saying you really can't afford not to know your customer. Customers are busy and distracted these days and treating people like you know them, treating your customer like you know them and putting the right offers and the right products in front of them at the right time. And, and this journey toward personalization across multiple channels is something that, all, that, that every brand is on. Uh, as Again, people spend more of their time in 30 second, 15 second increments and so the, the, to personalize that message in a way that is appropriate and makes it makes a consumer curious is you, you can't afford not to be. The, the, the second reason that I think uh, that, that I think this is so important is new privacy regulations and the, and the changes that the policy changes being made by Apple and Google into the future that will that, that is deprecating the way that, brands used to target audiences. And so we, some of the testing that Rob is describing, comparing Facebook audiences, for example, is really, I, I'd love to hear Rob talk a little bit about that himself. How are you kind of seeing those changes on things such as Facebook? Well, like uh, we were saying, the, the ability for a citizen to have an understanding in terms of uh, leveraging a predictive model from Imperity's system that says, not only are we looking at customers of a certain collection or a certain model, but people who have a high propensity to be a customer of that model. They're not necessarily customers now, but they have a high likelihood 
to do that. And that's where, okay, we can export that segment to Facebook, execute a program, and read the results. And these are the results I was talking about earlier where we were seeing five, six X click-through rate increases versus what we were doing previously, which didn't use this predictive component. And that's where we said, okay, it worked once, that's great, let's try it again, just to make sure, worked again. How about a third time? Worked again. Now this is our standard process. Sure. And how um, important is it when you're kind of getting those results back and you're seeing those those initial results that you you know still follow a kind of a, a question everything approach? Well, for sure, because y you never know where the customer is at a certain point in time. You can anticipate, and that's where your years of experience come in in terms of uh, making educated guesses as to what we think is going to work, but nobody ever really knows until you actually try it. And uh, you try something and it doesn't work, that's a valuable learning lesson as well. So we're all about keeping our eyes open, our ears to the ground in terms of what the customer is doing. But at the end of the day, everything is a trial. It's encouraging to hear because, you know, I think you need to be very aware, actually, how does this fit into our strategy? Is it complementary or not? Or is it just a kind of a, a shiny thing that I can be aware of, but not necessarily something I need now? Yeah, we, had, uh, we went into the process of undertaking uh, the review of a CDP very seriously. Um, it's a serious investment, as you might expect. But we thought that the return on that investment could be very strong because of the metrics that, uh, that you could get. And what we were seeing from some of our competitors and some of our retail partners already making that investment as well. And so it, there's no guarantee that it's going to work. You, you try it and you learn from it and your, what you do with it makes the determination as to whether it's going to be successful. I was interested to learn, um, um, my own experience of Citizen Watch has always been, I guess, through a third party vendor, so a department store or an independent jeweler. I was interested to learn that you have your own company stores now as well. In, in what ways can having a um, CDP you know, a enable that smoothing of how you're generally using your marketing data across the different channels, so from DTC, through the wholesale, uh, and through own retail? D does it have a role? Can it help? It definitely can help. Um, you know, the first thing that it can help you understand is what degree of overlap do you have uh, between uh, those channels? We don't have to go to a wholesale partner to, to answer that question. We can answer that question now on our own through the CDP. So we can see is the DTC customer, for example, are they repeating in a wholesaler? Are they repeating in our retail store? Are they repeating on our DTC? That's very valuable for mm. us. And presumably um, as well, it enables you to possibly um, use your own uh, store networks as a place to test new models, find out the market reaction, et cetera, and then be able to take those further into, into the infrastructure or ecosystem as, as you choose. Absolutely, because if you think of our, our wholesaler partners, none of them are going to be able to offer our entire collection. You can or probably really not prepared to take the same risks that you might within your own stores. Exactly, so we get learnings from our DTC, we get learnings from our retail stores that we can help apply to the wholesaler network. For example, we're getting on a daily basis which models are resonating with different demographic groups. And with each of our retailers, they know their customer. They know that their customer may skew to a certain demographic. Well, by knowing that, our 
our salespeople can now have a different level of engagement with that mm. retailer to suggest and recommend models yep. that so will they, fit their so, customer. So they can kind of you know focus on certain parts of the assortment or talk about how certain collections might be more or less appealing to the demographics of that particular customer. Exactly. Right, yeah. Um, Dan, within the, the general world of DTC brands, how do you see that a CDP, so, mu so much jargon here, sorry listeners, <laughs> um, how do you see that CDP you know, is helping, assisting you know, in the world of DTC brands? Well, I think that uh, you know, Rob made that process of interacting with wholesalers uh, sound really simple, but it's very complex. Uh, I'm imagining, Rob, that, the, that those, those, uh, those retailers aren't sharing with you direct customer information, not sharing PIIs. That, that, That's right. right. So the way that, in, in order to bring that information together into light for a brand like Citizen Watch, you've got to, you, you have to stitch together a bunch of other sources of data. Perhaps there's warranty data, customer service data, uh, other product registration information. So it's a more rounded kind of assessment almost, and some of it is also predictive, I guess, in terms of, you know, this is not pure historical fact. This is actually a collection of insights which also support what we believe. Yes, we're stitching those together in a probabilistic way in yeah. most cases, right? Assuming yeah. that, the, that building, building transitive relationships between, uh, between records in order to in order to unify those records into a single into a single identified customer. Yeah. So not necessarily definitive, but indicative. Exactly. So you know, for me, I guess you know, like all these big tools, and as you, you rightly mentioned, um, Rob, you know, before you decide to get into bed with a big partner to do this, it's a big uh, long-term decision. It's expensive, and it's going to have ramifications across the way that you, you run the business. But when you've made that leap of faith and said, yes, tick, you know, we're on, the ink is dry, how do you go about launching and landing it successfully? Because I think that's probably the key here, isn't it? It's about the integration of the partner within the business and how other people across the business understanding what the benefits the partner can bring. It's a complex um, uh, dance because so many different groups are involved. Um, it's certainly, an, uh, at least for Citizen, it was uh, very much an IT uh, project uh, and a very large IT project because we're the, they're the keeper of all of the different points of data. Um, there wasn't, uh, and uh, until Imperity helped stitch it all together, from my perspective, all of this data was siloed. So Imperity helps us stitch it together and uh, that is a time-consuming process. I mean, from the time that we signed the deal with Amparity to the time that you know we, we actually turned the switch on and we're actually getting data coming out was several months. Um, it might have been maybe six to eight months. I think that the, the value that um, our senior management direction gave us was take your time, get it right. Um, don't be in a rush to give us bad data, sure. right? Yeah. Um, so that's an important point is, you know, w when we went through the process, we checked, double checked, triple checked. There are so many places where the data can, can go off. Maybe everything didn't load. Maybe something loaded twice. Maybe something, w maybe we thought we loaded something that we didn't. And all of this has an impact in terms of the, the, the insights that were uh, deriving from yep. the data, garbage in, garbage out. Mm -hmm. So you have to make sure that 
the data that's in there is accurate, it's being processed properly, and that the data makes sense. And that you, you, you can't skip that. That's yeah. not a turnkey um, solution. This is something that's iterative, and it, and it involves a lot of people looking at the data to make sure that it's saying what we think it should be saying. And, and thoroughness here is, I guess, what pays the dividend. Yeah, because um, you, you know you can go into it, but uh, and just let the data run as it is. But you know, in someone in my position where I'm looking at individual transaction records and making sure, okay, does the person's first name actually align in the first name column in in our data? And you'd be surprised how often that doesn't happen. Sometimes. Um, the address will be in the first name field. Sometimes the state will be in the address field. And these are things that identity resolution, you know, to a certain degree can fix, but it, it can't fix it all. So you really have to go through that process to make sure that everything, it, it sounds simple, right? Mm -hmm. it, a state should be a state, a uh, country should be a country, but uh, in, in many uh, occasions we're seeing the data get jumbled and we have to take actions to fix that so that the data that comes out is pure. And, and have there been any friction points there in terms of how you've gone about implementing and, and ultimately launching that? Um, th there may have been some of that. Th there's um, a, a certain uh, aspect to perhaps people who've been in the industry for a long time that I'm not... You know, they the were trusting their gut rather than... They're trusting their yeah. gut. I know who my customer is um, more so than what the data is saying. Or they may be very accurate in understanding who their customer is, but their customer is only one portion of all citizen customers. And now we're looking at a more holistic picture yeah. of who the customer is. So it's not saying that the, the people who had that opinion were wrong, is that they were right in their world. And by uh, embracing data like this, you can go in directions and, and take your sales where they haven't been before because now you're leveraging data to make better decisions. It doesn't mean that you're going to double your sales overnight. We're just increasing the odds that of you'll course, make a yeah. sale. You know what you know, but this is helping you see what you don't know. Exactly. So uh, this is a question for you both, and I'm expecting you perhaps to, to, to have a few chuckles along the way. But what are the data challenges that keep you awake at night? Um, Dan, you know, kick us off with that one. Well, I, I, I might touch on two items. Uh, one, changes in regulation. Uh, the ability to, to pull data together, behavioral data, interaction data, uh, is changing every day. And uh, we're building solutions toward a world where the, the third party cookie is gone, the ability to, to track email opens is gone. Mm. Uh, and, and of course, uh, running alongside that from the consumer, they're demanding more and more privacy. That's exactly right. And yet, the consumer continues to be distracted and, and we have brief moments in time and they want, they want information presented to them that's useful and want brands to treat them like they know them. So that intersection and inherent conflict is probably the first thing that keeps me up at night. Uh, the second is, is the change management capacity for the, the world's leading brands. Again, because there are so many stakeholders in this data, convincing everyone to, to have a single view of the customer such that you can treat them, uh, your cons customer like you know them uh, is, is a real endeavor. Uh, and, the, and the longer standing brand, the longer the people have been in place, the more sort of inherent thought uh, they have about the way that things have always been done. Sure. Uh, those things 
a real and one challenge. of the things that strikes me is so many of my guests sit together with me and we talk about customer centricity and everybody says customer centricity is the most important thing but actually yeah we can all agree on that but perhaps it means something different to everyone and actually in a brand if you have several big egos who are all trying to slug out different things for, for themselves how do you actually remain true to being the voice of the customer rather than actually just doing things you know on a departmental basis yeah look brands are siloed uh, you may sit down the hall from the person who's running new customer acquisition when you run customer loyalty and retention. You may sit down the hall from the person who's doing analytics, but each person has their own tool and their own way of doing things. So getting those people to sit, even sit in the same room, sometimes they're, they're located in different states, different countries. Getting those people to sit in the same room and align around a vision of customer centricity can be really challenging, and that's probably the number one thing that keeps me up at night. Yeah, I would say, I would echo what Dan just said in terms of uh, the uh, consumer privacy, privacy laws. Uh, when you know, uh, my colleagues come to me and say, you know, Rob, you know a lot about our customers. I say, yeah, but I take it very seriously. Um, and you know, we're very protective about the data that we have on our customers. And we see that regulations are changing. Some states here in the US just made some changes to um, uh, policies that will uh, make it harder for uh, companies to find out information about them. And of course the risks can also be very high here in terms of data breaches, you know, the uh, unforeseen you know, release of customer information can have severe financial penalties and consequences for brands. Not only those financial penalties, but uh, it hits the brand equity. Of course, uh, yeah. It, it damages the brand, and that's something that obviously every brand is very cognizant of and, and wants to um, uh, protect that at all costs. So this is a very fine line that we walk um, when we're doing this type of work with our customers, um, and when we, you know, reach out to them through communication, it's, uh, it, you know, they need to opt in. Um, if they opt in, great. Uh, if they choose to unsubscribe, uh, that's fine too. And then we don't, uh, we can't reach out to them anymore. So, mm -hmm. so these are the things that uh, all brands have to deal with, and we're all concerned about. Um, uh, uh, our own privacy as well as the privacy of our customers. Yeah, and I think that's such an important thing you've just said there. I mean, you, uh, you know, for, for everybody that's involved in a retail business or even on the agency side, at the bottom line is we're all people and we're all customers. And I think it, you know everything that we should do is always about doing the right thing. You know, yes, we're all trying to work hard for commercial advantage, but if ultimately the person that's disadvantaged is the customer, surely that has to be the wrong thing. Uh, yeah, it's 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 just common sense, and it. it so it's a reminder that, uh, as you said, Carl, there's an expectation of, of what brands can do and will do uh, for you. Uh, we know that there's a limit and we need to respect that. But surely, is it about progress rather than perfection? Absolutely. Look, there's no, you know, Rob talked about uh, about people opting out of email or opting out of communication. There's no, there's no better way to get somebody to opt out of a message than to send them a, an advertisement for something they've just wanted, they just bought, or engage with them in a way that uh, that makes them feel like you're you're presenting to them product that they don't want. But perfection's not possible. We're we're delivering ideas. And, and we're delivering messages that are intended to, to meet a customer where they are. And it's, you know, we've made a lot of progress from putting a, a, a television or a billboard ad up, but there's a long way to go. 
And a final question for you both. If there was one thing that you think that, you know, um, retail businesses, whether it's, you know, the CMO, the CTO, CIO, should be really thinking about as a data priority for 2023, what would it be? Really, the, the priority is uh, improved customer knowledge. Uh, and I'm talking about the individual customer at this point. Um, that's what uh, a CDP can provide because, again, uh, garbage in, garbage out. If your data is clean, there's so much that you can learn from it, so much that there's so much value that you can um, not only gain from what the data is telling you, but also what models can do to predict what customers will do in the future. And the ability to take advantage of that and leverage it can really help your bottom line. For 2023, I think all those different stakeholders in customer data, I, I, what I hope for them is that they're building the foundation for the future. Uh, there's, it, particularly in the economy right now, the global economy, uh, the time for waste is gone. And so we've talked today a lot about the different silos of customer data, the different systems uh, that don't talk to each other and aren't stitched together. And so what, I'm, what I hope for 2023 is that all the stakeholders in customer data can come together in a room and talk about the inherent waste in that. Gentlemen, thank you both. It's been a fascinating conversation. I hope you've enjoyed being part of the Retail Exchange podcast. I've been in conversation with Rob Harvath, who's the VP for Customer Insights and Data Management at Citizen Watch, and also joined by Dan Milgram, Chief Customer Officer from Amperity. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Carl. Thank you so much, Carl. This episode was brought to you by Amperity. Amperity turns complex customer data into business success. Getting value from customer data all goes back to data quality. You can orchestrate segments to all the activation channels, generate customer insights and intelligence, personalize campaigns to build loyalty. Amperity lets you do all that. But before you can do anything with customer data, you need to get it into usable shape. Accurate, accessible and fast. That's what Amperity does better than anyone else. Amperity. Building the customer data foundation to power your retail business. Visit amperity.com to learn more. You've been listening to the Retail Exchange podcast. Subscribe online at theretailexchange.co.uk and join the debate. Hashtag Retail Exchange. Thanks for listening.